All right, well, it is awesome to be together this morning, and I appreciate Tom praying for us as we think about being a church that's united. One of the beautiful things we get to do every Sunday morning is to unite around the love and, we, and prayers that we have for our church body. Uh, I, I heard a story years ago, and, and it stuck with me because it's, it's quite outrageous, about a church that would sell peanut brittle for the annual church fundraiser. And this church raised a lot of money every year with their big peanut brittle sale. Well, as the sale was uh, approaching this particular year, an argument broke out within the church. One church said, we need to use this peanut brittle recipe. Another group in the church was like, no, 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 we can't use that recipe. We have to use this recipe. And, and people passionately began going against each other. What recipe are we going to use? And you'll never believe what happened. The church split. The church actually split over peanut brittle. Come on. I mean, we can be passionate about peanut brittle, but it's peanut brittle. We live in a time of incredible division, don't we? I mean, some people are saying that our nation right now is more divided than it's ever been at any time since the Civil War. And the, the, the dividing lines have been drawn. And, and we have become increasingly polarized in our politics between left and right in race, between woke and unwoke, in mandates, between the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. So strong has that spirit of division come, become. In, in many ways, it does not feel like the United States of America. It feels a lot like a divided states of America. And when that division seeps into the church... It's like that peanut brittle story. And we can, the church can be just as divided as the world. And I think in some ways we've seen that over the last 18 months. Don't want it. We've seen it. As Christians, we need to understand our culture is going to do what our culture is going to do. There will always be division in culture. But God is calling his church to something different. God is saying, I do not want my church to be a microcosm of everything that's happening in this world because God knows what a divided world needs most is a united church. Now today here at Hope, we're beginning a brand new series called Church United. And in the month of January, I want, to feel, I want us to feel God's heart for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to walk in unity. I want us to realize that the things that unite us are infinitely greater than anything that divides us. And I want us to be aware of the blessing of a united church for a divided world. You won't find a better place to start a series on church unity 
than in John chapter 17. So if you have your Bible, will you open it up with me to John 17? We want to start in verse 20. John 17. It's a very interesting passage. Jesus now in John 17. A moment away from going to the cross. It's his final night with his disciples. He begins to pray. Recorded in John 17 is the longest prayer of Jesus. He prays for himself. He prays for his 11 disciples. And you wouldn't believe this moment before Jesus goes to the cross, he prays for us. He fixes his eyes into the future to those who will believe in him. He prays for you and he prays for me. It's uh, some of the last recorded words of Jesus in John's gospel. What is Jesus' prayer? What is his longing? Here it is. That we may be one. His heart, moments before going to the cross, is for the unity of his church. Read with me in verse 20. See if you can pick up this language of unity. This is what Jesus uh, prays. John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. His original disciples. He says, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Do you hear Jesus' concern for unity in this passage? Do you hear that? It starts in verse 21. He opens asking that all of them may be one. And then did you notice he repeats that same phrase in verse 22? that they may be one just as we are one. And then he heightens it and he says it a third time. Verse 23, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Three times Jesus pleads with the Father that we as, as his followers will be one. We will be united. Do you guys get the sense Jesus cares about our unity? Absolutely. It's his prayer for us. See, Jesus not only prays that we would be one, but he gives us a sense of what actually makes us one. Isn't that interesting? We come to a church with many different people in a world that is very divided. Do we actually know what unites us as believers in Jesus Christ? Jesus begins to show us in this prayer. And so today, I want to highlight for us 
Three things that unite us as a church family. Three things in Jesus' prayer that, that make us one as believers. So before we get to that, let's not just talk about prayer, but let's actually begin our time with pray, with prayer. Because we certainly need Jesus to do a work in our hearts. So Jesus, thank you so much for today. We love you, God. And our heart this morning is that we would see unity in your body. God, forgive us for being divided. Forgive us, God, for, for all the ways that we have not honored you in our love for one another. We ask today you would do a transformation, not only in our lives, not only in this church, but in your church around the globe. God, help us to be the answer to Jesus' prayer today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're looking at three things that unite us as a church. Come from Jesus' high priestly prayer. And uh, it breaks down pretty simply, my outline, because the text breaks down pretty simply. Three things that unite us as a church. Number one, we are united in communion. We're united in communion. We heard Jesus' prayer for our unity as believers. And Jesus wants us to be one. Look at verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. So who is all of them? It's all, it's all of us. It's all of them that believe in Jesus. We want to know how diverse this group can be. Just look at some of the people that follow Jesus. Isn't it amazing? Who, who's a part of this, all of them? Well, you've got Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector. Tax collectors work for the Roman government. You've got Simon, who's a zealot. You guys know the zealots? They're trying to overthrow the Roman government. So you've got one guy who's for the government, one guy against the government. You put those two guys in a room, it's not going to go well. And Jesus said, hey, you, Matthew, you, Simon, come follow me. And two people with very opposite political views find a unity in Christ. And we could go through the Gospels, we could look at example after example, men and women, the Jews and the Samaritans, the religious and the irreligious. Jesus had a way of breaking down divisions as people followed him. And isn't this, isn't this Jesus' prayer? That we may be one? And if Jesus could do that then, what could Jesus do today? What could he do with us? Jesus calls us to unity but I think this is important. What is unity? Unity does not require uniformity. Oneness, we could say, does not require sameness. We don't all have to be exactly the same. Take a look at verse 21. Jesus prays that all of them may be one, Father, just as... Did you guys hear that? Jesus is giving us an example here. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. 
So as Jesus talks about our unity as believers, he gives us the example, the just as, the unity between the Father and the Son. What's that unity like? Are they the same, the Father and the Son? No, they're not the same. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. This is the doctrine of the Trinity. There are three persons, but they are one God. They're one in essence, one in being, but three persons. So the Father loves the Son. He sends the Son. The Son loves the Father, prays to the Father, ascends to heaven. They send the Holy Spirit, another helper, to be with us forever. It's three persons, one God. It's what C.S. Lewis calls the dance. It's the mystery of three persons, one God. And this is how the Father would have us be. You are not me. I am not you. We are different people. We have different backgrounds, different perspectives. God has made us unique for a reason so that we can fulfill his very purpose for our lives. The Trinity, which Jesus points to as an example for us, that unity does not require uniformity we are unique and yet we can walk in unity jesus prays that we may be one as he and the father are one and in what way are we united we are united in communion think about the relationship between the father and the son and the communion they have with one another and Jesus says, this is how I have united my church. We are united in communion. And Jesus mentions those who will believe through his message. What is that message? It's the gospel message, right? That sin has separated us from God. Sin separates us from one another. But as we come to Jesus and his work on the cross and we trust in Christ, the gospel the gospel brings us vertically into communion with God and then it works horizontally to bring us into communion with one another. How amazing is that? <clears throat> it's just like the bars of, on a cross, right? The cross, that's what Jesus does. He unites us vertically with God and then it works to unite us in communion with one another. We have a new semester of small groups kicking off this week. Pretty excited. Why do small groups matter? I think this passage helps answer that. Just notice that God exists in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he makes us in his image. So we are made for community. We shouldn't do life alone. We're made to be in relationship with one another. We're made for community. And that's what small groups are all about. Small groups are where we get to experience the answer to Jesus' prayer, which is communion with God and fellowship with one another. So I want to encourage you. We want to be connected to a local body of believers, and we want to be connected with the small group within that 
local body. Why? Because we're united in communion. How else are we united? We're united in glory. I love this. We're united in glory. What does the word glory mean? It comes from the, the Hebrew word uh, kabod. Got my brother studying Hebrew over here, so got to be sharp. Kabod, it means weighty or heavy. The Hebrew word for glory means weight. It speaks of the weight of all that God is. God is awesome. He is amazing. He is present. He is magnificent. Glory describes the weight and the worth of all that God is. Nothing compares with his glory. The Hebrew, or I'm sorry, the Greek word in the New Testament is doxazo, which means to render or esteem as glorious. Now just think about some of the things we esteem as glorious. It's, it's pretty interesting because when it comes to unity, isn't it amazing what we glory in will either unite us or divide us? It's true. Glory has a unifying or a dividing factor to it. Uh, many of us remember the miracle on ice, the, uh, the USA hockey team, Stuns the world by defeating the Soviet hockey team in the 1980 Olympic Games. The Soviet hockey team at that time was a force. They were undefeatable. They were, you know, unstoppable, expected to win the gold medal. Again, that year, the American squad under Coach Herb Brooks was a collection of college hockey players from different schools from around the country. And uh, you may remember from the story that when these college players came together, they were very divided as a team because they were glorying in their college team. So Herb Brooks, he starts to ask him, who do you play for? Who do you play for? And, and, and they would say, I play for this college. Or I play for this college. And there were a lot of rival, college rivalries going on. They, they, they were playing. They didn't realize they were playing for a greater glory. There's a famous scene from the 2004 movie Miracle where Coach, Coach Herb Brooks pushes his team into a series of conditioning drills. You remember that scene? Have this lackluster performance and... And he begins the conditioning, the suicides. And he runs it again and again and again. Finally, the team captain, Mike Urizoni, shouts out to the coach. And in response, coach asks him that question. Who do you play for? And the captain shouts out, I play for the United States of America. It was this moment of unifying the team when, when he finally realized he was playing for a greater glory. I just ask us, church, today, who are we playing for? Do we realize today that we are playing for a greater glory? We are playing not for, 
for a political glory. We are not playing for a color of our skin. We're not even playing for a church or a denomination. We play today for the glory of God. What unites us is so much bigger than what divides us. Listen to how Jesus continues his prayer. John 17, 22. This is the glory we play for. Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Jesus has given us glory so we can be one. Interesting. We're united in glory. What does that even mean? The Gospel of John highlights two aspects of Jesus' glory. The first aspect of Jesus' glory in the Gospel of John is Jesus' glory as God. It's his divine glory. We see that in John chapter 1. Um, the word becomes flesh, dwells among us. The word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And then in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Father and the Son share the glory of being God. And John says, I saw it. I saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And by the way, God doesn't share that glory with anyone, does he? No. But there's another glory in the Gospel of John. A glory that the Father gives the Son and the Son shares with those who believe in him. We're talking about the glory of the cross. Jesus, look at how Jesus begins his prayer, John 17. He's moments before the cross. And Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. He's talking about the cross. Glorify your Son. There it is, the Father Brings glory to the Son. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all people that he might give. Here's something we get to receive. Eternal life. That he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. Now this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's the glory of God that unites us. And it's the glory of the gospel, and it is the glory of the cross. We've shared in this glory. It's not a glory we had to earn. We didn't have to deserve it. It wasn't a matter of doing enough religious things. No. We trust Jesus. And the glory of the cross that the Father has given to the Son, He shares that glory with us. Not only... Do we experience the glory of the cross, which is forgiveness of sins, the righteousness of Christ? We are united today in the power of his resurrection. We have eternal life. We have a relationship with God. We get to know the one true God. Nothing on earth could compare with knowing Christ Jesus. We're united in communion. We're united in glory. Last one. We are united in mission. We are united in mission. Uh, John 17, this is actually so important, Jesus mentions it twice. 
Go back to verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that's us, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you see those two words? So that. Jesus says, may they be one so that the world may believe. Do you you get the sense of Jesus' vision? He has a huge vision. Jesus is saying today that there's something about our unity as brothers and sisters in Christ that when that happens, it's so special. It fulfills a purpose. Jesus has a purpose in mind so that the world may believe. Jesus continues his prayer. In case you missed it, he repeats it again. Verse 22. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then he says, then the world will know. When will the world know? When we are in unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That is amazing. How will the world know about Jesus Christ? When we are one church family. Jesus prays we'll be brought to complete unity. What's complete unity? Same unity the Father has with the Son. That's pretty tight. That's complete unity. Why? He says, so that the world may know. See, until we are united towards a common mission, we are not answering the prayer of Jesus. We're not living out what he imagined for us. The unity that Jesus is inviting us into is not some ethereal unity of like, yeah, we love each other and all of that. No, we are un- this unity and this love is for a purpose. It is to be focused. It is to be organized. It is to be directed to the purpose of that the world may know. Do you feel the vision? As we say it here, following Jesus Christ isn't just up and in, but it's up, in, and out. We're united in mission. So how do we do this? We want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. How do we do it? By becoming a united church for a divided world. We want to see the world become a different and better place. It starts with unity in the church. It really does. And God is doing some amazing things in this area of unity. I'll just share a couple of stories and, and encouragement here as we wrap up. I meet monthly with a local group of pastors We're called the Northern Burbs, and we just met here on Thursday. And it's a group of pastors from this area, different backgrounds, different denominations. We meet together, we pray for one another, we pray for our community, we support and encourage one another. And uh, one of the, the pastors that's a part of this network is planting a church here in Willow Grove. 
came here during the middle of a pandemic and planted a church. Not an easy thing to do. And uh, they rent a space over in uh, the Crestmont Park area. Uh, three weeks ago, they were unable to meet in their space. And so we said here at Hope, hey, we've got a space. Know you're planning a church in Willow Grove? We got a space for you. Come, bring your church, Glory Church. Come, worship here at Hope. And they had an amazing time. I just want to show you a picture here from that, that worship. That's right up here, me and Pastor Mike. And uh, Pastor Mike is a rapper, and uh, he rapped in church. I've never uh, experienced that before in my life, but, uh, you know, I kind of liked it. It was pretty cool. We got two different pastors from two different churches coming together. Why would we ever do that? Why? Because we want the world to know. What unites us is bigger than what divides us. So that the world may know. Here's another story. Um, about five years ago, I became a pastor here at Hope. Our family moved from Colorado to Pennsylvania. And uh, when we arrived, about 20 people from Hope Community Church showed up. They helped us unload our moving truck. I got a picture of that. There's uh, five, about five years ago. Some familiar faces. Um, and uh, it was an incredible thing. I I'll tell you, uh, this is just another day at Hope Community Church. After being here five years, I will tell you, this is a church where we love and serve one another. This happens all the time in so many different ways. But we don't always know who's watching. And it wasn't until many years later where my unchurched neighbor says, Hey, remember that day when the moving truck showed up? He was ready to come out and help. And he's like, I saw 20 people show up, and I didn't know. He's like, they were done before I even knew it. For my unchurched neighbor, this was a powerful testimony in his life. We come together as a church. The world is watching. And the world has an opportunity to see and to believe in Jesus because of the unity and love that we demonstrate as a church we're united in mission. And maybe for you, it's throwing a little party. Inviting some people from your church family and inviting some of your unchurched friends. I just call that two worlds collide. And I love it when my two worlds collide. Or maybe it is serving in our children's ministry, passing on the faith to the next generation. Maybe it's going on a mission trip to uh, another place around the world like Transnistria to share the love of Jesus Christ. The question I'm asking today is, how can we, as a church family, come together in a way so that the world may believe? Unity is such a powerful thing. It's on Jesus' heart. He prays for our unity. In the moments before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed for us. He prayed that we would be united. United in communion united in glory, united in mission. And here at Hope, we want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer. The world is looking for the church that Jesus imagined, and we want to be that church. We want to be the church that Jesus loved and died for, which is a church united. So over the next few weeks, and I hope you'll join us the rest of this month, 
We're going to talk about how we walk in unity. How do we do that through racial issues? How do we do that through theological issues? And then on Vision Sunday, how do we do that through the ministries of this church? It's going to be a really cool series, and I hope you'll be a part of it. Because we want to see this prayer of Jesus become realized in our church family. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, bringing us together in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross. And that as you were lifted up on that cross, people from all over the world are coming to you. And we are running to you today, Jesus, to the love that you have for us. And we look around and we realize that we have been adopted into your family. We have been brought together as brothers and sisters. And I pray for a united church, not only here at Hope, not only in our community, but all around the world. God, help us to live for the glory of your name to live for a greater purpose and a greater calling. We pray for those who do not know you in this community, and we pray that through our unity and through the message of the gospel, that lives would be radically changed and transformed. Thank you, God, that you are the hope of this world, and your church gets to carry that hope and to be a light to the nation. So help us, God. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.